Chapter 16 of Gypsy the Talking Dog, a story for young folks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gillian Hendry. Gypsy the Talking Dog, a story for young folks by Tudor Jenks. Chapter 16 A Talk at Midnight. On the day of the county fair, the gypsy camp was early astir meaning to get to the grounds as soon as possible, in order that they might choose a good place for their encampment. The chief of the gypsies, old Alexander, had spoken to the managers of the fair, and had told them what an attractive addition to the show a real gypsy encampment would be. The managers had agreed with him, and so in all the show bills posted about the country the coming of the gypsy riders, gypsy fortune-tellers, and gypsy dancers had been well advertised. If Joe had known that he was to be so lucky as to capture his best performing dog again, no doubt he too would have been told about in big letters on the barns and in the post offices for several miles around. Joe was glad now that this had not been done, for in spite of his brag to Alexander, he was uneasy for fear Gypsy might be seen by someone who knew him. Still, he had to take chances if he wished to make any money out of the dog. Arriving at the fair, the men put up tents made of white sheeting. The women put on glass beads, coloured ribbons, big earrings, and a dozen other things they never wore at any other time. All tried to look as much as they could in the way they thought the farmers would expect real gypsies to look, for they hoped to attract silly young men and maidens who wished their fortunes told, and also to do a little horse trading, and possibly a little pocket picking if any came in their way. Poor Gypsy would have been entirely miserable, but for a hope that the fair might be the means of letting his friends know of his captivity. This hope made him so ready to do his part in preparation for his tricks, that Joe was quite delighted with him, and even gave him several lumps of sugar for doing so well what he was told. Gypsy had another reason for wishing to please Joe. He was afraid that at the last moment Joe might decide it was dangerous to have the dog perform. So Gypsy held his little gun, tumbled, rolled, stood on his head, and in short carried out all Joe's orders so promptly and so well that Joe actually patted him on the head and said, Bravo, Juckle, there never was so bright a trick dog as you. I'm glad to see you're not sulky. Keep up your good behaviour and you and I will get on famously. Let bygones be bygones and we'll be friends yet. But Gypsy was honest, and he couldn't wag his tail just then, even though he knew it was the wise thing to do. The morning of the first fair day passed very pleasantly for all in the camp. It was sunny and bright, the place was filled with visitors, they were generous with their money, and every one of the gypsies was good-humoured. Early in the afternoon, Joe wrote out a big sign, in which he gave a glowing description of the performing dog, the most intelligent and amusing quadruped in the whole world an animal that could do anything but talk, and so on, until he had filled a large sheet of paper. This was fastened up outside of their largest tent, and inside they put all the chairs they could get. People came in crowds to the show, and filled the tent, paying twenty-five cents each. Then poor Gypsy was brought out, unchained, and made to perform. For the reasons already given, he did his very best, but all the time Gypsy kept looking at everyone who entered the tent, hoping to see someone he knew. There were three performances given that afternoon, and at all of them Gypsy failed to see a familiar face. 
But just as he was being led from the tent back to the wagon to be chained up for the night, Gypsy's heart suddenly gave a bound. He caught sight of a little black pony with a white mane and tail. It was Galopoff. But to his dismay, the pony did not seem to know him and would not even look his way. Poor Gypsy tugged at his chain for a moment, fearing that Galopoff had not seen him. But he need not have worried about that. There was very little that Galopoff did not notice. And in fact, though Gypsy did not know it, it was Galopoff who had brought about their meeting. Galopoff loved racing and had won many prizes when he was younger. He always begged to be taken to the races whenever any were held. This had brought him to the fair, and once there he had seen the placard upon the tent of the gypsy encampment. Galopoff had then begged his master to let him stay a while near the tent, so that he might find out whether the dog advertised to perform was his old friend Gypsy, though that seemed hardly possible. So now, just as Gypsy was being led by him, the clever little pony pretended to snap crossly at the dog, bringing his sharp teeth almost to the dog's ear. Joe thought the pony was ugly-tempered and hastily snatched Gypsy out of the pony's reach. Really, while his mouth was almost at Gypsy's ear, Galopoff seized the opportunity to whisper to him just the words, Tonight! Now Gypsy had some sense, and he understood at once that he was to keep on the watch, so that he could be ready to help in any plan the pony might be able to think of. So, when all the rest of the camp were fast asleep late that night, Gypsy kept his bright eyes open and his ears alert for any sign that might show his friends were near. About midnight he heard a soft brushing against the wagon curtains, and very slowly and cautiously, so as not to rattle his chain, Gypsy drew himself close to where he had heard the sound. Then he heard a soft whisper. It was Galopoff's voice, but so low that it could not have been heard even a few feet off. Are you awake, Gypsy? the pony asked. Yes, can't you get me away? Not tonight, I think, said Galopoff. It is much easier to get into Vixie's than out of them. But tomorrow night I think we can do something for you, for I shall give my mind to it. But why don't you come to the camp right in daylight and demand that they let me go? asked Gypsy, still in the same soft whisper. Because we couldn't show we owned you, said Galopoff. Don't you see, the gypsies have as much right to you as anyone else. You chose to go away from Chris and Helen. They let you go, and so now they don't own you. Your own master is far away, I suppose. Yes, he's in Madagascar. I saw him there. It's a big island off the coast of Africa. See here, gypsy, Galopoff whispered. This is no class in geography. Besides, I know where Madagascar is. Listen to me. You have no owner, and these gypsies, goodness, I wish your name wasn't the same. It is confusing. These thieves have as much right to you as we can show. But, said poor Gypsy, much discouraged by this speech, surely you're not going to leave me in their hands. Of course not, said Galopoff. I was talking of what the law might say if we claimed you. We're not going to claim anything. We're going to take you and let them claim you, if they dare. You'll save time if you'll do the listening and let me talk. All right, go on, Galopoff, said Gypsy more cheerfully. Very well. Now tomorrow night I shall bring a few friends with me, and we'll see whether we can't outwit these dog-stealers. Honest folks are nearly always cleverer than rogues when they give their minds to it, I believe. So you be ready, 
and at about this same hour you'll see something happening. Goodbye, or, since you're a French dog, I'll say au revoir. Almost without a sound, Galopoff was gone. He had not waked even Blackie, the big watchdog, and little Gypsy, full of hope, fell fast asleep and slept quietly until sunrise. End of chapter 16